What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And the Hebrew word is chametz for, for leaven, so it's a de-chametz time for the, for the houses. And this was so important because, why? Because the lamb of Passover, was, which Passover was all centered on the lamb. Now, that's not the way it is today in the Seder. You, you'll, you'll see. It's in, but in, in the original, everything centered on the lamb. If there was no lamb, there was no Passover. And the key point about the lamb is that the lamb was without blemish. And so God told Moses, God told Moses, you instruct every family that they are to use a particular basis, a very important basis, for selecting the lamb. He says in Exodus 12, 3, Exodus 12, 3, speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the 10th day of the months, now we're on the 10th day, they shall take to them, notice all this, every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, then let him and his neighbor next to him to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall t- make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now, so it's on the 10th day of the month that every family is to go out and they're to cull out this lamb from the herd. Now, part of the emphasis of what God was making there is we, he was making a very strong emphasis about this every part, every man, every family had to have a lamb. Every family had to have their own lamb. There was no communal lamb. There was no community of families. Well, of course, if one was small, they could gather together. But, anyway, but every family, every man had to have an identification with a particular lamb. So if you came to them, you came to, to the family, and, and you, you knock on the door and say, excuse me, does your family have a Passover lamb? Then every person in that family, from the young to the old, would say, oh, yes, 
and they could point to their Passover lamb and they say, that's our Passover lamb right there. We're proud of our Passover lamb. And when Moses then told each family to kill it on the 14th day, that meant that, that they were killing what, the, what was the center of attention for their family during this time. And you could go to, to every person there and you say, and, and, and you say oh, what is the lamb gonna do for you? What's that lamb gonna do for your family? And they'd say, that lamb is going to save our family from death. We're not gonna have a dead body in our house on that night because of that lamb. And if you, and if you ask the firstborn, what's the lamb gonna do for you? He says, well, it's very personal for me. He says, that lamb's gonna save me from dying, and that lamb's gonna save my life. So everyone in the family watched their, their, their family lamb very carefully, and they wanted to make, and first of all, and God says, make sure it's without blemish. It's perfect, and that nothing happens to it until the Passover night. There's a lot of personalization that's going on with this family lamb. There's a lot of identification that's going on with the family and the lamb. And all that speaks to the truth of how each person must come individually to make the Lord Jesus Christ their own personal sacrifice for their sins, their own personal lamb, their own personal savior. Just like the Lord Jesus said when he was talking about in John 3, 16, and he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he's talking about himself, that whosoever, it's that word, it's all tied up in that word, that whosoever believeth in him, believeth into him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever Whosoever individual, which, whosoever person, and unless a person comes to that point in their life where they're alone and they're face-to-face -face with the Lord Jesus Christ and they're confessing that they are dirty, rotten sinners, not good sinners that tells white lies, but dirty, rotten sinners, then that person has not met the individual requirement for being saved for their sins. And they fall into the most terrible category where the most horrible four words that they've ever heard and anybody can ever hear will be said to them at the judgment from Matthew 7.23, Matthew 7.23, when the Lord Jesus at the judgment, when they're wanting to be gain into entrance into heaven, and he says, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Those are the four most horrible words any person can ever hear. I never knew you. So each family had to have their own family lamb. Each person had to have his own personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So to the point where the Lord Jesus Christ would say, I know you, you put your trust in me, we have a relationship together. And the other person would say, and, and I know you. And, and so, so the selection of the lamb was according to the standard that it had, not just any lamb, but the perfect lamb. Now, you know, as, as you know, I, uh, uh, my family and I lived with goats for 10 years. You know, I don't know if you want to put that on the resume or not, but that's the way it was. And we lived with the goats for 10 years. So we had 300 goats for 10 years. And we got pretty good at identifying sick goats. We could tell you which goat was, had a deformity. We could tell you which goat had the bulging knees, which goat had the limp, which goat had the sickness, which goat had the discharge from its nose and the matter around its eyes and which one ran perfectly. And so you know. And so also it was with the families as well. They knew an unhealthy condition 
in an animal. And so basically, this was the best animal that the family had. And this is the basis that each family had for selecting the lamb. And the lamb was to be this yearling in the prime of life. And so they look, and so just picture this now. Family, the father is looking over all their lambs. He's going to find that perfect lamb. And when he finds it, and he finds that perfect lamb, the family, he, he says to the family, may I introduce you? This is our family lamb. This is our family lamb. Right here, right there, that's our family lamb. He's going to save our family from death. And that moment when each family made their choice for which lamb was going to be their family lamb, it all pointed, it all pointed forward to the time when John the Baptist, the great introducer of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world, the great presenter of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world, on that one day, that one momentous day, he comes in John 1.29, John 1.29, and he says, the next day, it says, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Just as the Father made the selection of the family, which, which lamb was going to be the family, Passover lamb. And then he comes to the family and he says, behold the family lamb, which will take away the curse of death from this home. Just as the father did that, just as the father did that, John the Baptist comes as a father to like mankind. And he says, he, and, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. He's like, the father is so excited in the house. And he says, look, everyone, you don't have to worry. Don't worry, because I found the Passover lamb for our family. I've got him right here. He's right here. And in the same way, John is saying, look, everyone, look, everyone, you don't have to worry, because in this person of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb for everyone, and he's perfect. And this is what with the characterization of the lamb, unblemished. And that spoke to the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sinless. The Lord Jesus was sinless. Hard for us to imagine that because we're not. But, it, but this descriptions of him in the scripture, when it says in Isaiah 53, 9, Isaiah 53, 9, it says that he did no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. You know, he, he never told a lie. There was never a deceit in his mouth. And, and, and if I ask everybody in this, in this room today, has anybody never told a lie? And if anybody raises their hand, I'd say, well, that's a lie right there. So you can put that up to the list. Anyway, none of us qualify for this. It says, it says in Isaiah 53.11, Isaiah 53.11, by his knowledge, God said, by his knowledge, referring to the Lord Jesus, shall my righteous servant justify many. No, none of us have this term assigned to us, righteous servant. Nobody, none of us can be called that, righteous servant. You know, Jewish people say that Isaiah 53 refers to the, the, the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel. That description alone shoots this down. Righteous servant. Israel's called a righteous servant? I don't think so. Because the book of Isaiah starts in Isaiah 1, where God says about Israel, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquities. It's a, it, that's not righteous. So anyway, so then he goes on. The Lord Jesus is also, he gets to this point in life where he's looking at his enemies. He's looking at his enemies and he's saying, okay, bring it on, lay it on me, convict me, accuse me, indict me of sin. He said, this is what he said in John 8, 46. John 8, 46, he says, which of you convinceth or convicteth? 
Which of you convinceth me of sin? See, so, and, and, and the reason is that no one could say anything because they couldn't. He, what, he, there was no sin that could be laid to his charge. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 4.15, it speaks about him as being the high priest which is touched with the feeling of our infirmities and all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he has no sin on his record. It says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he knew no sin. No one could ever come to him and refer to sin and say, hey, you ever done that? Isn't that nice? He said, I don't know what you're talking about. He knew no sin. In, in 1 Peter 2, in 1 Peter 2.22, it says he did no sin. And in 1 John 3.5, it says in him is no sin. So he's sinless. And that's our Passover lamb. That's our Passover lamb. He's without sin. He has none on his record. He doesn't know any sin by experience. He never did any sin. In him, there's no sin that's ever been found. So that's the family lamb without blemish. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb of God. And this is the first time in the year when all the males are to congregate to keep the Passover. Now, it doesn't mean that it's just the males alone who are coming to congregate to keep the Passover because we, we, we can see, for example, in the family of, of Mary and Joseph and the Lord that they went up to Jerusalem, and it says in Luke 2.41, Luke 2.41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So it was the whole family that went. And you can imagine what an entourage that was when all the families throughout Israel come flocking to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, we think of the Passover, and, and it comes every year, and so it's like a holiday, and everyone is keeping it. And it's kind of like, if we put it into our American terms, sort of like something like the, 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 the holiday of Thanksgiving. You know, and Thanksgiving comes, and, and we think, okay, we're, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. Everyone is going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. The grocery stores are going to remind us that Thanksgiving is coming. The turkeys are there, and there's big sales, and so forth and so on. And so it's, but it's a celebration by everyone. But there's really no strong, this is the danger, there, of not having a strong personal involvement in heart and soul in the holiday of Thanksgiving. I may have told you before, the best Thanksgiving I ever had, bar none, was when I, had, when, when I was told by my boss at Mercy Hospital, you have to work on Thanksgiving. I thought, work on Thanksgiving? It's so unjust. But I went in there. I had to work on Thanksgiving. Nobody was there at the research lab at Mercy Hospital there. I open up the lab. And I open up the lab there, and no one is there. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a horrible day. I had to work all day. But what happened was that, like Christian was saying, I had a hymnal there. I just started singing. I thought, no, Nobody knows how lousy I sing because, you know, I'm singing here all alone. And I sang and sang and sang, and I got happier and happier. That was the best Thanksgiving I ever had because it was a time of really being thankful to God. Now, but as far as getting alone, like I just described to you, you know, that's the danger with the holiday of Thanksgiving. It's also danger with the holiday of Passover, Passover time. And if you're Jewish, you know that everybody's going to be celebrating Passover. If you're observant, you'll know that every observant house is going to be turned upside down, and there's going to be this deleavening process, and there's going to be the cooking and the cooking and the cooking and, and, and the eating and the foods you don't eat all, all year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as getting alone, getting alone and having the meaning of Passover have a deep impact on the soul, well, not really. Yeah, and, and no more getting alone and having the deep meaning of thanksgiving have a deep impact on the, on the soul. Well, 
In fact, during Thanksgiving, there's, all, there's sometimes this time around the table when it's, it's, all, it's like a little awkward, and people go around and say, well, what are you personally thankful for? And it's like, thankful for? Let's see, I'm thankful for this nice meal. <laughs> or I'm thankful that we're all here together. And, and that's what we just for Passover too. If you went around the people and you said, okay, what are you deeply personally thankful for? What's the deep impact for you on Passover? What is it? They'd go, uh, good food? Uh, great to be with the family? Uh, connects me with my heritage. You know? But if you said, well, what about Egypt? They go, Egypt? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw the movie, Ten Commandments. Yeah, Egypt, that's nice too. But that's just the point that God was making here because he said in, in Exodus 23, 14, this is a feast, you keep a feast unto me. When he says keep a feast unto me, that changes everything because God's saying, you, when, you, when you keep this feast of Passover, you, like be in, you can be in a big group of people, your family and everybody, but there comes this time when you're alone. You're in a group, but you're alone just between me and you, and you're keeping this feast to me, and you're remembering, and that's all that's what's tied up when God says unto the Lord. It means get alone in heart, personally face-to-face with Jehovah Jesus and realize that the Passover and the, and the days of unleavened bread, it means something between you and God. What's it mean? Well, it's kind of like communion, kind of like communion. And, we, and you know, this is the same with communion, that very easy for us. We're in a group like this. We have communion. There's a lot of we to that. There's a lot of ourselves to that. There's a lot of our church to that. Everyone's taking the elements, the bread or the wine or the juice, whatever, at the same time, and they're eating it at the same time so that they're all in sync, and they say, some of them say amen at the same time. Everybody's all together, and, it's, and, and the point is it's along with everyone else, and God is using this term in Exodus 23, unto me, unto me, unto me, because communion is supposed to be a time when, when we see ourselves as maybe like we kind of picture for that moment, we're alone in this room. Nobody else is in this room, just me and God. And we're hearing God say things like, uh, uh, like, uh, like 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11, 25, or 28. 1 Corinthians 11, 28. This is during the communion time, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that cup and drink of that, drink, eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So to say, let a man examine himself. That's personal. Very personal statement. Each person where God is saying, come clean now. Come clean and, 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 and deal with sin. That's part of the unto me part. Well, uh, you know, and this is what God is saying here. So the feast of Passover, the feast of the unleavened bread, was to be kept, as God said, unto me, which means very personal, very individual. And so what does it all personally mean? Well, first of all, Passover is all about deliverance. It's all about deliverance. Historically, Passover was when Israel was in a no way out bondage that, that, that was killing them. That's what Egypt was. It was a no way out. There was no escape out from that. And this is the history here of Passover, that each person should be brought into that remembrance of when each of us were in our own sin. We were in the bondage to our own sin, and there was no way out. There was no pulling up our bootstraps to get out of the mess. It's kind of like the kind of like the crab traps, the lobster traps that are used, where the animal finds this narrow opening here, he falls down, and then he's trapped. He can't get out. That's what sin was. Personal sin was like Egypt that enslaved us. Personal sin was like Egypt that was killing us, like it was killing the Jewish people. And so that's what the Passover is from a personal point of view. It's all about deliverance. And Passover is all about blood, the blood of the family lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb for each family. When God told each family, he said in Exodus 12, 13, Exodus 12, 13, 
The blood shall be to you for a token, a sign upon the houses where you are. Now, see, now notice how this is divided up. God says the blood's going to be something to you and the blood's going to be something to me. So I'm going to read it again so you look at this from this point of view. The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So the blood for, uh, so what does that mean? That means the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is all symbolized in the Passover. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that is a token to us. It's what we point to. We point to the, Lord, to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, that blood is why I have reconciliation with God. Because people fall into two categories, and, and it all comes out of judgment. The two categories are, either a person can stand before God and say, I'm standing here on my own record. I'm gonna stand up for the life I've lived. I'm, I'm not as bad as, as some other people. I didn't murder anybody, etc." and I'm gonna stand here, and if that's the case, then that person will be cast directly into hell. That's one category. There'll be those resounding, horrible four words, I never knew you, and so depart from me. That's one option of standing based on his own works. Says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really a pretty good person. I helped a lot of old ladies across the street. I want you to remember that. And if that's the case, that's a no-go. Or a person could stand there and say, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, and I came to you as a dirty, rotten sinner, and I put my faith and trust in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm pointing to that blood, and I'm saying, that blood is my reconciliation with you. And then the Lord Jesus Christ says, enter in to the kingdom. Those are only two categories. It's just like that. And so the blood, he says, it's a token to you. It's what we point to. And we say, that's the basis for my peace with God. That's the basis for my forgiveness. That's the blood that cleanses me. That's pointing to the blood. He says, it's gonna be a token to you. And then God, from the other side, and he looks at the blood, he looks at the blood, he's focused on the blood, and he says, peace, you have peace with God. He looks at the blood, and he says, you're reconciled to God. He looks at the blood, he says, your sins are forgiven. See, it's all about the blood. So it's all about the blood, and that's a personal application. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18, you were redeemed, not with corruptible things as silver and gold. He goes on and says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without spot, without blemish. So that's the first thing. Now, because in Israel, and you can imagine this, that when they come into the promised land there, they're prone to see themselves as, well, we're here now, we made it, wow, you know, and, and just forget about, forget about how they got there, how they got there. Um, and, I mean, here, this, what we're talking about with the Passover happened 3,000 years ago. And it's very easy to forget what happened 3,000 years ago. Very easy to forget what happened 20 minutes ago, much less 3,000 years ago. And God knew that. So he instituted this annual remembrance to remember what happened 3,000 years ago on that first Passover, which is why, 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 why in a Passover Seder it's celebrated, because it's a retelling of what happened. It's a reminding of what happened 3,000 years ago. It's very, God knows, it's very easy for you to forget what happened 2,000 years ago when the Lord Jesus was killed for our sins. And that's why he instituted the communion as a don't forget 
as a let me re, as, as let this be a reminder to you. And, and, and when he said in Luke twenty two nineteen, Luke twenty two nineteen, he took bread, gave thanks, break it, gave it to them, saying, "This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me." Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.